Welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host, Adela Marcy, and today we're sponsored by purelyhosting.com forward slash Adel. Go there, check out your free website, get it built for you, and of course, get your hosting sorted all at the same time. We're also sponsored by insiderinternetsecrets.com. I hope I got that right. If not, the person will correct me in a moment. Um, and of course, we've got our guest on today, Cavett Haria. If you guys don't know who Cavett is, I actually had the pleasure of meeting this guy. He's been around forever. I think he started off in music and then ended up with like marketing, teaching, and all the other fun stuff because he did really, really well doing it. And uh, I got the pleasure of sharing the stage with Cavett back in 2011. I think it was, well, yeah, it was 2011. We shared the stage at a automated income seminar where I was actually speaking. So, um, Cavett, welcome to the actual show. Ah, oh, thanks very much. The actual URL is uh, insiderinternetsuccess.com. Yeah. Uh, success success is better than secrets. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Okay, guys, scratch what I said. Go to that domain. Uh, the domain will be, of course, underneath this link. You guys will see it as always. Um, but thank you for being here, man. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I remember you, uh, you know, from from that time. And then, uh, yeah, we've been on each other's Skype and Facebook and talked from time to time. And you've traveled a lot and been, you know, back and forth. And uh, we connected again a few months ago. So that's really nice. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. So, like, if I remember correctly, you started out uh, teaching music, didn't you? Well, I I am a musician. So, uh, and uh, for those of you that uh, don't know me, I play this thing called the tabla, which is a North Indian drum, and uh, I've been playing that for several years now, uh, nearly nearly fifteen, sixteen years, and. Um, I had some. I struggled with it initially. You know, I struggled with getting to grips with actually going out there and meeting musicians, playing with them, promoting their stuff, getting in band, gigging, that kind of thing. And I realized that uh, the one thing that I wanted to do was to play Western music. So, uh, in order to do that, I had to learn how to market. I, le- I had to learn how to promote myself. I had to learn how to get myself out there. I had to be. Uh, not just an introvert, but an extrovert, and I really struggled with uh, with that whole thing. Um, but I learned marketing. I read a lot of books. I studied it, and then I did very well out of it. I started playing some really good gigs. I got some gigs with some, you know, um, some really good musicians. Paul McCartney, I played with. I played with Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin fame. I played a lot of people, wow. and um, I. I had a lot of friends at that time who were asking, well, how was I doing that? How was I promoting myself? How did I build out this huge following on, on MySpace? Uh, how was I uh, getting people to my email list and building a fan base? How was I pre-selling and selling my CDs? So I did a lot of stuff, again, thanks to marketing that I'd learned and applied to my music career. So I started helping my friends, and then it got too much for me, and I thought, okay, well, you know, I, I need to spend my time better. So I started to document this stuff, and I started to write it all out on... Um, on, on Microsoft Word, and I started sending these documents away. And I thought, well, actually, there's this other guy that I know. He's doing very well with um, selling ebooks and, and material like that that I was created. Why don't I actually officially get into actually selling this stuff? So I bought a domain name. I learned all of that again through reading a lot of different books that I went down to my local library to get. And I basically went out there to set up this website, put this book on, set up a PayPal button, and I started a charge. And I started to get sales out of this thing that I was doing, which is really incredible for me because I never knew that that was even possible. Um, and here I was, you know, within a couple of months, and I was making more than I was making in the week playing music or, or performing as a music musician in, in the career that I was in. So that was pretty incredible for me. And that's how I got into, into or maybe how you remember me from Music Addo. 
Yeah, but, that that's literally how I remember you, because you told this story to me once. I was like, I remember being just blown away by it. <laughs> well, the thing is, within three years of starting that business, I'd gone on and created lots of CDs and DVDs and audio. That's when I mean CDs, I mean like, you know, coaching material uh, to help other musicians get more gigs, sell more music, promote themselves, all at insidermusicbusiness.com. And there, and you know, they generally opt in for a weekly newsletter and all sorts of things. And it just it just spiraled from there uh, into this little business where what I had learned was had gone beyond me uh, into in from just simple marketing to actually here's how you automate a business, here's how you put in email funnels, and here's how you have sales pages. And here, you know, I did all of that stuff, for all of this stuff. So it was all selling without me actually being involved in it. And that was really where 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 I wanted to get to, and I was fortunate to be able to do that. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty, pretty cool. So, okay, uh, can you hear me still, by the way? I can. Oh, awesome, sorry. Sometimes we get, like, really weird bits and pieces where it just cuts out. I have no idea why. That's why I run between two Macs when I'm doing these things. Um, so, I did want to ask you real quickly, like, when you were actually going through uh, just applying what you know, because you kind of haphazardly landed in this. I mean, it wasn't something like, you know, I'm going to go out and be a marketer like most people do. Uh, or, you know, they do something else. You kind of went off as, how do I get my music out there? That was really your marketplace, teaching musicians how to get gigs. What advice would you give someone that isn't a musician or, um, you know, that's that's trying to pursue their, their passion, but they don't know what they're doing, so to say? Like, say the average 20-year-old come out of university, find out the job market's completely shit. What advice would you give them? Well, it's interesting, actually. I have two different views around. I have a couple of different views around that. I actually think that if you don't have something that you're drawn to already, you know, I was drawn to music, so I fell into that as as what I was doing, and then obviously it it spiraled into this idea that I could actually teach people how to market their music. But I had that passion already with music, and then I had to develop this passion around marketing. I don't think that passion is something that you are just born with. I think it's something that you develop. I think that. The more you 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 get yourself reading and and listening and and surrounding yourself with spe- a specific topic, passion comes from that. The more you do something, the more you start to feel like a master in it. Passion comes from that. So uh, anybody starting out has to figure out what their passion is. Otherwise, they're just gonna. You can't live life without having passions. Otherwise, you you know it's just boring. It's just plain boring. It's like stagnant. It's like a, a river that's stuck and doesn't flow. And it becomes, you know, it smells, it starts to pile up with rubbish, it doesn't move, the water becomes disgusting. Uh, if, you're, if you really want to do well in life, I think you have to be a free-flowing, moving river, one that's always moving fast because then it stays fresh, it's always recycled. So uh, my point is basically that you've got to have a passion and uh, you've got to figure out what those passions are. And if you don't know what those passions are, then start asking yourself what it is that you'd like to learn, what is it that you'd like to do. Uh, and everyone always wants to do stuff, whether it's, it's, you know, if, it, if it's someone out of university and they want to just do, and they're not really into much, but maybe they're a little immature and they want to just consistently keep playing games and games and games or, or, or out all night or whatever, whatever it is, there's a passion involved. Figure out the passion that is there and it will, you know, there'll be a way to, to turn that around. Yeah. I mean, that's actually really interesting that you actually made that examination between a free flow and stagnation with uh, not just passion, it's creativity. I mean, yeah, well, that, that's what it comes down to, exactly. You cannot, you know, how many times do, I was reading this uh, piece the other day, I don't remember where it was from, but um, there was this guy, and I was actually away this weekend, and I was speaking to this optometrist, and uh, he was saying that 
he, you know, he works as an optometrist. He does pretty well. He's very comfortable, but he doesn't want to move to the next position uh, to own his business. And he's also, uh, he doesn't want to do that, but he's also getting bored and, and stuck with his career and he doesn't really feel like he can give anything more. There's not much exciting. It's the same thing day in, day out. That, you know, it's that kind of routine. I think as, as people, we need to have the stimulation and creativity in our life. And otherwise, we're never going to, otherwise, we're going to fall into like cycles of depression. Uh, so it's very important that we all find our, our, our mojo. And sometimes it will change. Sometimes it will stay the same. Uh, but we all have it. And if we don't identify it and if we don't tap into it, we're living like 2% or the 100% of life that we could potentially live. Yeah, I entirely agree with you on that one because I get that all the time. It's one of the um, strangest things that my friends and I had. This, we had this conversation a while ago and it's basically people will go into a career path and then give it 10, 20 years, they'll hate it. Like They can start off in like, I want to be a lawyer. Give them 20 years. They're like, I hate being a lawyer. I don't want to do this anymore. And if you really look at what their actual passion was, it wasn't they went to being a lawyer because they wanted to be a lawyer. They went in there to do some, to fulfill a different need, you know, to right. help people. You know, I want right. to help people not do blah. So, or I want to help people do this, or I want to just get paid. Right, um, exactly. So if it's not really a passion of yours, then why would suggest that keep, don't don't quit the damn thing yet. I mean, find a way to use those current talents or go go pursue something that is a current that is your passion while using this as like a substitute for the time being and then go ahead and do it from there right exactly yeah it just makes exactly. life a lot easier i mean um that's one of the biggest pieces of advice i always give to anyone that asks me oh you started out as an entrepreneur 18 blah blah like that's when you really went professional it's like yeah but i wish i didn't that's like one of my biggest regrets was um leaving my day job to like pursue my entrepreneurship straight away 100 percent at 18 because um well, not. I don't want to sound like an idiot for saying this, but it's true. I was an idiot and didn't know anything. I kind of just jumped in headfast into all of this. Right. And uh, you know, eventually it played out. But there were some times, there were some dark times where you didn't. Well, you know, you go through like a sixty, to, well, sixty days without any money. It's, it's the worst. And like yeah, the ang- sure. The anxiety you get is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm interesting because I kind of jumped into it as well. I, I decided to quit more than I was doing and say, you know, and I was also probably around the same age. And uh, for me, it was, it was daunting initially, but I had got to the point where the money that I was generating, uh, even though it was not consistent, was still more than what I would get doing what I was doing, you know, being paid by the hour. So... That was a compelling thought because I remember this really more this really dark morning. I had to get up, go to the bus stop, get on the bus, and then go to work. And I had to wait half an hour for the bus because I'd probably missed the last one. And it was cold. It was winter in London, and it was very cold. And I thought, you know, I just looked at my account yesterday, and I made more in that last month than I got paid doing four weeks at this job. I did not want to do that anymore. That's when I kind of decided that, you know, this was it. I didn't want to do do what I was doing anymore. But you are right. There have been lots of dark times, and it happens. You know, when when I feel the dark times happen, when you expect uh, more than you should get, and I feel like we have, we you know, when things get tough, we expect more, but actually we should expect less when things get tough because then we give ourselves the freedom in our mind to think about uh, and become creative and innovate on on ways that we could actually generate more. It's kind of a, a weird situation that, but that, I think that's how it is. Yeah, it's always like, for instance, when you're ready to um, 
God, what was it? It's like one of the one of my favorite strategies of war, like from Thirty Three Strategies of War by Robert Greene, which I recommend everyone read anything Robert Greene has ever put out. Um, he says something like, "You surrender as a tactic." Right. So when you surrender, yeah, you won't be completely crushed, but it gives you time to back away and you know mount your forces again. And it's the same thing here. Don't fight life; surrender to it, and then mount your forces again and build up your you know build up what it is that you want to go from there. Because sometimes the biggest failures and the biggest pains um, give birth to the greatest successes. Right. Right. Exactly. And, like, uh, do you know the Will Smith story? Like, what made him become the way he is today? I, I don't think I do. No. You like this is the weirdest thing because I heard it and it was like one of the reasons why I didn't start why I didn't give up being an entrepreneur when I was young. I was like, oh, I relate to that. And that was <laughs> um, he was in he had a girlfriend in high school who cheated on him and left him and said that you know that he wasn't good enough and he felt like he wasn't good enough. So he works every single day to make sure that he never feels like he's not good enough because he hated that feeling. Wow. So um, that's the reason he became like as great as he is. So he's like, oh, I'm very thankful for her being like that but it's just at the time it was the worst pain possible and I just didn't want to feel like that ever again and I'm like wow that's interesting because you know you wouldn't expect it especially from yeah. someone like Will Smith you're like oh really okay because <laughs> like he did the whole Fresh Prince of Bel-Air thing very very young yeah yeah exactly but um, actually that's the thing that drove him to it was like uh, a lot of the storylines were from his own personal life that's why he was really good at it also that's why you know i mean it, you you can act of course but at the end of the day it's got a there's there's this hook that comes from who you are and it can become very uh, they can show a lot of integrity yes. even if you're acting and i think that was one of the great successes of that show yeah i think like again that's why method acting works to, for certain actors and doesn't work for all actors like al pacino that guy's a method actor and he knows why because for him, he embodies the character for as long as he goes. Right. Whereas um, someone like Will can actually tap into that resource for a limited time only. Um, but most of the roles that he actually does take on, if you realize, he puts his own spin on them. So yeah. they become him, like Hitch, for instance. That's You just say, that's just Will Smith. That's not like this character is playing. That's just Will. You expect him to be like that in real life. <laughs> but um, I think ultimately, you know, like... Um uh, creativity and all of these different things that we're talking about is about breaking out or interrupting established patterns, which is ultimately what marketing and really good marketing is about, which you know about. So, yeah. you know, everyone has these patterns that they go through, and everyone's patterns are also different. They're all based on people's upbringing, their 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 way of life, the things that they have come to know and understand and become and believe based on, you know, how they've been brought up, who they are, what they've taught, what they've read, the kind of things they eat, all these kind of things. And Essentially, the moment that you say, I want to try something new and step out of that comfort zone and push things out or run towards the wall instead of walking, you know, like steadily, uh, you start becoming a better, braver, bigger person. And uh, that's where success starts to knock at the door for you. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's a quote I saw today, which was something, oh, God, what was it? It was something like, if you're going to head towards the brick wall, don't walk towards it, blast, like run full pelt at it and blast right through it or something. Wow. Like <laughs> it's, I can't remember who's, it was on Facebook. It was someone's Facebook status today. I was like, oh, that's such a cool quote. I should rewrite that down somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting. So I want to actually get into something uh, a little bit more, uh, something a little interesting here because, you know, knowing you and stuff, you grew up in London, of course you play the tabla. Like with all of that, how did... Like, do you still play all of this stuff as well? Do you still do the music? Or? Yeah, well, the whole point of actually getting into, you know, this idea 
uh, of building my own business, not just the music stuff, but then what I'm doing right now, which we'll come to talk about. But it was also that I could have more time for my music. And uh, after a year or so of the the market, the, you know, the music business exciting me and and automating stuff, I then went back and started playing some of these bigger gigs, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. See, that's a good thing because I started out initially. Uh, like one of my main drives was so I could train three to four times a day in the gym. Yeah. Because I love fighting. I, I really do martial arts as my art form. Um, so it was, it was a really long time I did that. And then, of course, like, as soon as I started my business, I was so into my business, I couldn't train anymore. Yeah. And uh, that really changed right, when I was in Plymouth, because I lived in Plymouth for, like, 16 months before I moved to London. Um, and there, I was spending, like, literally every day training. Like, every wow. single day, I was just in the gym. And my, my income was fine. My income was great. Right. But, like, it was just the fact I could go to the gym and train. I'm going back to Plymouth a week today uh, as of, like, recording this. So it's, like, we're in February. So, like, just after Valentine's Day, I'm heading back down to Plymouth. I'm going to be spending about seven hours a day on the mat, like, just training every single day because I don't have to worry about my work so much because, you know, right. it's taken care of. Right. Um, the joys of business, you know, you can always outsource stuff. But there is one thing I want to touch upon before we get against so the next. Why, why are you going all the way to Plymouth just for the gym? Oh, because it's my team. It's my team okay. based there. Like, uh, okay. I'm also heading down there because I've got a competition on the 21st in right. Newquay. So I want to train with my team uh, for a week because uh, shout out to my team members and my gym teacher, really my instructor, Kenny Baker, because Kenny's just a fucking badass of a guy. And uh, <laughs> my plan is to get him on this podcast. I've had him on my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu podcast, but I want to get him on this one as well because he's just, he's uh, he's very underrated for what he does. But one thing I did want to touch upon before we like moved uh, into something else was this idea, if anyone's listening to this and going, well, you know what, I'm not creative at all, or Cabot, I'm not a creative type, it's not my personality. That's understandable, because some people are left brain, left, right brain, but you're neither, you're not just one or the other, you're dominant and submissive in one or the other. So if you're submissively creative and you don't really understand how to tap into that, Two things I would advise, and I invite Cabot to do the same. My two things would be, one, learn to meditate. Very simple, just breathe, relax, let the, you know, let the ideas come to you. That's one. And two, take up something that you've always wanted to do. If you've wanted to learn how to dance, take up dancing. If you've always wanted how to learn how to box, take up boxing. Take up something that you've always yearned to do. The moment you do that, that may not be the thing that drives your creativity, but it becomes the kickstart, so to say, that jolts off all the other things that you need, like a domino effect. So you never know, it could be like, it won't be the first, second, third, or fourth thing that you try, but the fifth thing you try just happens to be the greatest passion of your life that you find. And that embarks you in a whole new journey. Right. So that's That would be my advice. What would your advice be? If someone says, they're not, you know, I'm not a creative type, what do I do? I would tell them I don't believe them, <laughs> first of all. I think that it's, I think it's not possible not to be creative if you give yourself the time and space and energy. Uh, so the first thing would be to stop, uh, to spend less time with your technology. Um, I think that the moment you start to spend less time with technology and, and you start to stop Googling every single thing that you want to look for, um, and, you know, I think that people don't think anymore in the culture that we live in. Uh, because they give all their they give all their time and and all their questions to Google and then use the questions that Google asks you know use the responses they find in Google to become their answers. So I would say uh, start spending a bit more time thinking, pondering on some of the questions that you're asking yourself. Uh, and the moment you start to spend your time and your eyesight away from 
technology and you start to you know walk in fresh air or meditate as you're saying or just do something a little bit more which is essentially what meditation is doing for you because you're freeing up your 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 mind space that you're that you're constantly bogging down and keeping busy uh, you allow that freedom to uh, let you you know give you the thoughts that you need to give so I would do that the first thing I would do is to do that the second thing I would do um, is to probably go to the shopping mall and walk and just walk and walk you know walk if your shopping mall is not big do several rounds of the shopping mall uh, but when you're walking in the shopping mall keep your eyes open and keep your ears open as much as possible because what you'll find is that you'll walk through all these shops and you'll see stuff you'll you'll walk out and you'll see that the way they're advertising the things they're selling and if obviously when you go to malls there's varied types of products from all types of different industries and genres so you're gonna see lots and lots of different things and it's all going to give you insights, you know. I like to go specifically to home stores uh, because, and there's so many home gadgets, kitchen essentials, items that you wonder, like, who in the world would require something like this? Or why would, you know, I would never have thought of using, you know, a, a little apple core to go into an apple or a lemon squeeze. You know, there's so many different tools and things, and you just want to get your head thinking, well, you know, you know, who uses this? How would they use it? And start to get creative about that because that will allow you to start thinking about, other problems, other challenges, other things that people have, and then that's a, a great way to, to start becoming creative as well. Creativity ultimately is, is born out of uh, the need to be different and the need to, 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 to break out of old patterns, and ultimately that's what we're looking for. How do we break out of, how do we make life easier for somebody else? And that's, that's one of the great questions to answer. Yeah, because it's, it's interesting you should say that because that's the same advice I give to guys when they're single. They're like, how do I get a girlfriend? What do I do? I'm like, just take the earphones out your ears, don't put on any sunglasses, and just go walking around a mall and listen. Just listen to what's going on around you. Most times you'll basically, not to eavesdrop, but most times you'll just pick up, like, women will say certain things, like, in, when, in passing, and it'll give you a clue of what women are thinking at the time. It's interesting, just like, again, with the same business, um, you'll just understand how things go. And funny story you should actually mention about, like, um, who would need this? One of the ones was, like, you know the garlic presses? Like, you put a clove of, like, a clove of garlic, and then you just press it? Right, right. Yeah. I was wondering, who who came up with that? Because, you know, that's just so weird. <laughs> There's this really, really cool thing as well. There's, like, a, sp a spoon, you know, like a circle in which you, you put your spaghetti in, and then you move the thing around based on how many people are eating it. So the circle becomes bigger or smaller. So you know how, how much spaghetti to fit in before you stop boiling it. Really? Wow, that is so cool. <laughs> so if you're making spaghetti for one, you know, you, you move the thing around, and, or if you're making it for two, and so forth. Wow. Okay, see, now I've got to go check one of those out, because that just sounds cool, because um, <laughs> I'm part Mediterranean, so of course I love spaghetti and pizza right. and stuff. So, right, right. You know, I'm going to give you one more exercise, because this one is really cool. This is like the third. It should be the first, but it's the third. It just came to mind. It's called the 30 Circles Test. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No, no. Um, I watched this TED Talk once, and I think everyone should go watch it. Um, uh, by a guy named Tim Brown, and it's called Creativity in Play. And uh, he talks about this exercise called 30 Circles. Uh, it, and essentially what you do is you take a piece of paper and you draw 30 circles on the paper. And in you give yourself one minute. I think time boxing is a great way to come up with as many ideas as you can and to become creative, where you sit down and you you put an egg timer on or your app, you know, your phone timer, and you say, I'm going to give myself 30 seconds or a minute to come up with as many ideas about this or that. Um, so, uh, you know, take a piece of paper, draw 30 circles on the paper, and then in one minute, 
adapt as many circles as you can into objects. For example, one of them I'd make into a sun, another one I'd make into a football, a third one I'd make into, uh, uh, what else could you make, a fan, uh, the fourth one, you know, one of those traditional fans, a fourth one you could make into the car tire, another one could become a globe. How many can you do in a minute? And that's really uh, a great idea because it, it, constru- it gets your mind working and thinking in terms of a specific, a specific idea in a specific amount of time. And Ado, on the same thought, there's another book. I spoke to Claudia Azula Altucher, James Altucher's wife, um, just yesterday. And uh, she's produced this amazing book called Become an Idea Machine. And in there, there are 180 different ways and helping statements to help you come up with ideas. It's, it's fantastic. It's literally just about um, coming up with ideas. There's no other book I've seen that does this very well. And um, it specifically says something like, you know, 10 things or 10 ways that you can come up with uh, something for dinner tonight, 10 places where I could show up more, or 10 things you can learn in 10 minutes that would add value to your life, or 10 services you wish that Amazon could do for you, or 10 small gifts you could give today. And again, this starts opening your creative muscle. And they talk about this idea in the book of creative muscle and every day waking up and writing 10 ideas. And the more you do that, the more you build this muscle and then you become even more creative. That is pretty awesome. Like that is just a really good idea. And James, uh, for the people that don't know who James is, I'm actually working on getting him on this podcast. It's just really hard to get him on a scheduling conflict because guys, either touring or he's writing, it's, it's crazy. But that guy's a, in my opinion, like really smart genius guy. <laughs> just like um, it's crazy. Actually, you know, speaking of books that are quite uh, fun to read, have you read? Um, I think it's A.J. Jacobs, uh, Living, what was it, Living a Year in the Bible. Hold on, I've got to get the actual title. I used to own this book, and I gave it to a friend of mine. Um, it's basically this author goes around uh, living the Bible as literally as possible. Wow. Yeah, um, one of the funniest things in the book is where he talks about stoning uh, adulterers, because, you know, one of the things that you do. He literally <laughs> ran up to like people on Venice Beach going, Hey, are you an adulterer? And they're like, Yeah, so you pick up like a pebble and just throw it at them. And that's his way. He goes, I can't throw stones. I threw like pebbles. It's the only thing I could do. Right. Um, that's but, crazy. Oh, that was it. Uh, I think it's The Year of Living Biblically. Right, right. I've heard of that. Exactly. He, he writes for one of the newspapers or magazines in, in New York, I think. Yeah, he does. He's so, like, super talented as well. Like, I mean, I mean, there goes just another idea, because like, if you're a columnist and that's all you do is you write newspapers, well, guess what? Go out on, a, on an adventure. Like, turn that into something <laughs> you really, really want to do. I mean, Exactly, uh, exactly. Adventures don't have to be year-long, by the way. Adventures could literally be a month-long. Like, um... I've, the, one of my adventures is only a day long, and that was what we did was, uh, well, do you watch the TV show Sherlock Holmes by, at all, by the way? I don't know. Okay, so for the TV fans that love watching detective stuff, watch BBC Sherlock if you don't already. It's a pretty cool show. I, I didn't think I'd get into it, but I did. Um, one of the fun adventures, that, like, on a bad, it, was, it just so happened that it was a day that I had to write, like, 29 emails for a client. Right. I really didn't feel like doing it. So what I did was I was like, all right, what do I feel like doing? I know, I've got my DSLR, let's go out. And I took my friend with me, we just went out, and we literally photographed every location that's inside the Sherlock TV series for like three seasons. We did it all in one day. Yeah. Um, including getting on top of the... Um, have you seen Skyfall, by the way? 
Oh, the movie, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Right, you know the scene where Bond comes back to London, he has that beautiful view where you've got, like, the uh, London Eye on one side, but you've got... Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I know where that building is. It's in Trafalgar Square. Okay. Uh, and it's it's really weird to get up there. I didn't know how. Like, I didn't think you could get up there because I first got told you have to get like planning permission and police permission, yada yada. And then eventually, I just went around and spoke to management to let me up there, which is really weird. So I go up there with my friend, we take photos, we do this little adventure day. I come back, I knock out like all twenty nine emails, including one talking about how like life is really an adventure and how real estate should be done the same way. Yeah. So you know, you get inspiration from anything that you can do. <laughs> It's, it's that is really amazing it's the best way to actually write in my opinion is find inspiration on what you do especially if it's for you just like you know find inspiration and go from there I also read a lot I, I read a lot of fiction and a lot of non-fiction too and so for me a lot of inspiration comes from things that I read yeah uh, what's some of your favorite books uh, I would say non-fiction first let's, let's start with that I would say uh, The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes yep uh, one of my favorite yeah, one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, of course, how to get what you've got out of how to get what you, how to get what you want out of everything you've got by Jay Abraham. Yep. Uh, I really like that book. It's been one of the books that has uh, certainly opened my eyes, and I've read it many, many times. I also like the. There's a new book right now that I'm reading called Scale, by Jeff Harmon. That's what I'm reading at this minute. I'm just just about finishing it, and I'm going to start reading Twelve Week Year. Have you heard of that? Uh, yeah, everyone's going on about that. So Yeah, so that's why I bought it, because I thought, well, what is this about? So I, I'm reading that right now. Uh, I've also read um, Bob Berg, The Go-Giver. I think that's a really good book. Bob's a great guy. I mean, I remember early on in my entrepreneurial career, I reached out to him. He was such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. He's very, very also reachable by uh, email, and, and so that's really nice. I, I like people that do that. Yeah. Definitely, you know, the easier you are to get into contact with, the better that it is. But so, would that be your three non-fiction books? Uh, I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. what would be your three fiction books here? Because there's a reason, like, fiction generates creativity in some way. Sure. I don't know if there are three or, or if there are more, but for sure there are. Um, my favorite type of, of of fiction is generally crime and thriller, and so I guess uh, any. I'm Anything by Lee Child or, or James Patterson or Ken Follett, those are really good books. And they're brilliant for helping you to learn how to write really good email also because they write as if you are speaking, which is one of the great skills of, uh, copywriting. of copywriting. Yep. Exactly. Welcome to my world. Uh, funny story, <laughs> I, guess my book, I guess I better send you a review copy of my book when it's done though because I'm actually releasing it later this year. I'd love to read it. What is it, what is it about? Uh, it is a detective thriller. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it's not even got my real name on it. I just made up a pen name. Um, okay. But it's it's gonna be a good thing. I'll talk to you about it afterwards. But um, not to leak too much information. But again, I got that idea because um, a lot of people don't know this, but I actually used to write poetry. And I've actually right. had like three of my poems published under a pen name. Right. Um, it just so happens the only reason again this is where you get big creative ideas, people. So it's a big thing. The first thing that you do is read something really, like, read more books because eventually you'll come across what happened to me, which is I read something that I hated. I read it and I was like, people pass this as poetry, really? Okay, this is a thing? I can write better than this. Watch me. <laughs> so I ended up writing this whole, like, entire poetry thing wow. based on the hatred of someone else. Um, I didn't even slam them. It was just like I wanted to show them, look, this is good poetry. This is bad poetry. Um... And the same happened with like my books, my sales copy, uh, my when I used to. Oh, a lot of people don't know this, but I used to actually songwrite and song produce. Um, that was something I did in my teens. So strange, kind of little 
college. You used to songwrite? Yeah, I used to songwrite. That's and, fantastic. And a lot of people on our music database, we have over 100,000 people, but I would say 60% of them are generally all singer-songwriters. So we have a lot of work that's geared toward them, even though I'm not, I'm not that. You know, I've gone on to collaborate with other people who are really good at what they, what they do, and then they've created, created songwriting courses. Yeah, it's always good to do. I mean, like, the thing, though, my, my area of expertise was um, rapping. Because I used to love rap battles and I used to do that. So that's where I got mine from. And then, of course, being, well, musician and musician, um, like one of my goals this year is to play the piano. Yeah. Because um, I used to play drum and bass until I broke both my wrists. So, you know, it's kind of hard to play drum and bass with broken wrists. <laughs> I'll say that much right now. I mean, you know, as many times as I've broken them, it's just like, ah, crap, they're gone. Okay, no worries about it. And right. the operations. Yay. Right, exactly. Exactly. But, Kind of just jumping back into the point of things, like realistically, like, um, so is it twelve week year that you're reading right now? Or is that one that you have you? Read I'm gonna it? Pick, I'm gonna start it. Okay, cool. What yeah. have you heard about that book anyway? So like, because from what I've heard, everyone's just raving about it. I've not really read the reviews. I've just heard people raving about it all the time. I would say that my productivity is generally very good, and I'm always willing to learn and improve. Of course, if there's anything that I could do to, um, to to improve. And I like the idea that uh, your entire year can be planned as a quarter because we, we, we plan, I think, is it, what is that quote? We underestimate what we can, what we can do or we, we overestimate what we can do and we, we underachieve or something like that. I don't know, whatever it is. But the idea is that basically that uh, our entire year can be planned in, in, in 90 days uh, and we can achieve a lot in that short period of time. And uh, I guess the book is supposed to talk through how to achieve that. I'll, I'll read it and let you know. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, that is pretty awesome because like, I actually really, really like books like that. It's one of the reasons why I like four-hour work week. You know, you learn, yeah, yeah. productivity is always a huge thing. Fantastic book. And it, he, he just did a, an interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. Tim Ferriss. Yeah, did you? I, yeah, 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 I shared it. Um, Arnie's like a personal hero of mine. <laughs> Like, right. it's no secret, I actually love that guy. Him, Van Damme, and Stallone were like my three people I grew up looking up to. <laughs> so um, it's always interesting. It was, always really, yeah. it was really nice to actually know that Arnie plays chess as well. So Wow, yeah, that's fantastic. He's, he's a chess master. He plays like um, at least once a day at minimum. Okay. Um, which is nice to know considering I play as well like at least once a day. Right, right. So he, he, you know, I, I just randomly listened to this podcast and I listened to some of the, the ones that he does and it was fantastic, really, really good. And uh, so I shared it on Twitter and Schwarzenegger ret ret retweeted me, Sweet. which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Arnie's a, Arnie's a pretty cool guy anyway. I mean, like, yeah, he's very much with it, very savvy. Yeah, he does ask me anything. It's like his AMA is on Reddit. It's amazing that he actually just jumps on, like, spends an hour just talking to fans around the world. Um, yeah. one, like again this is something for people that are actually in that position that li listening to this going oh you know how can I actually get engage my customers a little bit better do ask me anything events I do those for my um, for my personal like projects they have on the side for, like my membership stuff I do like ask me anything days where I literally just sit on Google Hangouts I'm like right guys you can jump in here's my address jump on we'll have a conversation I'll just oh, the only thing is I get to record it and like why I was like well I want to record it if it's something I can share again I might as well right Right. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go do that. Jump on. Ask me a question. Sometimes I have like fifteen, twenty people literally typing questions to me. I've got to answer them all one after the other in rapid succession. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. It is, but like you, you'll gain such a high level of um, 
connectivity with your clients. And it's like a, yeah, it's such a wonderful engagement tool also. Yeah, I mean, scarily, scarily powerful. But um, right now, you've actually got some stuff going on in Kindleverse as well, haven't you? Yeah, so I, I mean, the main work that I do is to help people who have business ideas. That's what I do right now. To, the people that have business ideas, we help them go from idea to we create the right business model and strategy, and then we plan and, and execute their entire uh, building and launch of their of their entire business from scratch. So it takes about six weeks. We do the development, the design, the the copy, the everything that's required to automate a complete sales process and marketing process for them, so that they're selling what it is they want to sell online. Uh, and then we mentor them to how to market it. So it's a whole twelve month process. That's wow. generally the main work that we'll do, and we can touch on that if you like. But what you said was. Um, Kindle, and I've been publishing books on the Kindle for the last two and a half years, and I've done very well out of it, uh, generally out of my music stuff. Uh, and then I've gone on to do lots of other little niches because I've learned how to figure that you know what what is a good book to write, and uh, built a team of writers, and they they write about things they're interested in, and then we go ahead and publish them. So as a result of that, I also launched a, a program to help people because there's a lot of people that want to start and make money online, but they don't want to go ahead and build a full steam business. And uh, I feel like I have some stuff that I could. Uh, help with that and Kindle being one of the main things. So I created a program where I would actually work with somebody to launch their book for them uh, and do their first book for them so they'd start to have a little portfolio while they get the training from me on how to do it and then they can start their own practice of building their own little empire as well. Yeah, I mean that's quite interesting that you say empire because it is really that after a while you it really grows into something huge in such a short space of time. Right, right. And uh, it's it, the word insane is actually quite true. How you can go from practically nothing to something quite big in a matter of weeks, if you know, or even months, if you know what you're doing and have the right mentors and teachers around you. I think that uh, it's yeah, it can be very powerful. I think mentors and teachers are ultimately uh, weapons that. Uh, we all know that we should have, but we don't have, and uh, and that's why most people fall behind and, and don't achieve what they want to achieve. Oh, agreed. Agreed entirely. I've been through that pitfall myself uh, far too many times, which is horrible. But it's it makes you a strong person. It makes you appreciate when you actually do have a mentor that really cares about you. Right, right, exactly. And uh, I think the mentor also can uh, is somebody that you associate yourself with in terms of the personality, integrity, and all these different things. And uh, then you know that you've got someone who's a good match. Definitely. Okay, so here's a question for you, because you're a marketing guy like I am, and for the marketing freaks listening to this podcast, this is the first time I've ever asked anyone this question on air, but I'm going to make you my first victim for this. Who do you like more, Dan Candy or Jay Abraham, and why? That's an interesting question. Really, really interesting question. Uh, I would say that Jay Abraham... Uh, could potentially be a little bit smarter from a business point of view, uh, but from a marketing point of view, I would go with Dan Kennedy. Okay, really? So explain Dan, why. Dan Kennedy is a copywriter. So uh, is and, Jay. Uh, I didn't know that about Jay, actually. Yeah, like, so, do, wait, hold on. Do you not know the story about how Jay basically created a billion-dollar business for himself? Yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that. But I, I didn't realize he was actually the copywriter. Yeah. Uh, I... I think that everybody needs to learn copy, so I, I assume that from some perspective he's a copywriter, but I think Dan Kennedy is the, the copywriter. So uh, I, I believe Dan Kennedy is better at marketing, but I believe that uh, Jay Abraham is smarter at business strategy. Fair enough. See, my, my, my answer to this is this. Um, 
I like both, but it's really what you're after. Jay Abraham is what I would, if this was a war, if like business was a war game, I'd say Jay Abraham was the general in command, like the major general in command back at, behind the trenches, you know, miles away, planning all the strategic moves, and Dan was your infield commander. That basically right. went out there and did the <laughs> shit that basically needed to be done. Um, because, like, I'm, I'm listening to uh, some of Dan's stuff. I, I love listening to Dan's stuff, but it's, like, interesting to just see how he does things. Yeah. But, like, just scary just how he does things. Like, yes, uh, so what I do in my house is where everyone puts bills, I have huge stacks of money. So I open up my drawer, money. I go to my cutlery drawer, money. It's like, I've got money everywhere, so I constantly remind myself how rich I am. I'm like, wow. That's incredible. You're just insane. <laughs> um, like just, just the idea is something I'm implementing in my own business is um, Dan has this whole idea that you should never speak to a client at higher, because, you know, as I'm a copywriter and stuff like that, among other, among other things, uh, amongst, sorry, um, he always advises that, like, if you're going to take on a new client, here's the first thing you do. You make them pay for an hour of consulting at minimum or a full day's worth of consulting, and then you decide if you want to take them on board as a client. Right. And he's just like, I was like, what? He was like, yeah, pretty much. That's the way that you do it. You make them pay first, and then that's how you know they're going to commit. I was like, wow. Right. But again, Jay's entire approach with that would be quite similar because he charges you $5,000 for the hour, and then his guarantee is if you don't see a positive result based on that five, that hour that you've paid me for, then you don't have to work with me ever again. I return the money and yada, yada, yada. And of course, Jay doesn't have to do that because it's Jay Abraham. Everyone just gives him money. Yeah, it's different, I think. They both have different... different. Uh, uh, they have slightly different viewpoints, and I think whichever one uh, resonates with you is the one that you go and you, you move towards, you know? Definitely. I mean, I, I think Dan Kennedy's obviously, you know, his business is a lot more out there, um, you know, right now anyway. And... Uh, Jay Abraham, you got to be on his list to really see the great value that he's offering, as well as the group programs that he runs and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I mean you can't like if Jay's in your neighborhood and you're actually you got a chance to go see him, go do it. My one of my business partners, Murray Gray, from uh, Superhero Dot City, they were just we're going to be getting those guys on very, very soon. They were uh, he went to see Jay Abraham live in. Um, somewhere in California I think it was Southern California or LA one of the two he just went out and literally met Jay Abraham I was like oh you asshole that's amazing like, <laughs> he, just, he, like, he took a he took a selfie with Jay I was like that's to the non-marketing people this is like a really big marketing geeky thing it's like seeing a celebrity and going oh my god I'm gonna take a selfie with you it's the exact same shit in this world right right it's it's that level of weirdness but um, but again that's kind of micro celebrity you know within your marketplace so I'm going to ask you this one question that's, uh, again, not a first for this show, but something I really wanted to get your opinion on, because you have experience here. What would you do in order to, like, say, for instance, we had someone that wanted to um, get into speaking. And the reason I'm asking is because I actually did get this question this week. They want to get into speaking and uh, getting on stage. What would be your advice on it? Uh, for someone who wants to start speaking and get on stage? Yeah, I mean, like, they've got a decent amount. They're not well-known, but they make a good enough living because the person I was speaking to, he's in... God, what was it? He's in the Forex market, so he makes most of his money in Forex and self-development. So he wants to get on stage and start teaching how, like, his wealth is basically a, is a determination of his mindset, and he wants to show people how he does that, but he doesn't know how to get on stage. Right, right. I, I would start. I would start to build an authority business on the on on the web with blogging, 
you know, blog for six months, write really good content two or three times a week, get yourself noticed, get yourself networked with the blog and people. And then when you go and approach events uh, and say to them, you know, this is what I do. I'd love to come and speak at your event, even for 10 minutes, half an hour to tell my story, do a couple of them free and, and share your story and not need to sell. Uh, I think that uh, you'll find a lot of people will easily say to you, I've done that many times before. Thanks to the blog that I write, you know, I've managed to speak at, on, on webinars that I'd never be able to speak at. I've managed to interview people I've never been able to interview. And more importantly, I've managed to speak at events just because of the, the work that I've done. And then, of course, look for recommendations. You know, nothing beats a good referral. Yeah, I always agree with that one. Referrals are always the best way to get anything going. It's one of the easiest ways to get business in. Right, exactly. Oh, exactly. That's pretty cool. So we're reaching like this point in the show where I love doing this and... Uh, I don't think I told you this. I like to spring it on people. Uh, always in every podcast, and I'm sure you've had a few, so you've had me say this, um, we get three tips from you on how to take someone from where they are to a success, like if they're struggling, how to get them struggling to success, or if they're plateaued, how to reinvigorate them. So if there's three tips that you can give, what would they be and why? The first thing is that if you've got a profitable idea, if you've got an idea for your business and you don't know whether it's profitable or you think it's profitable but you're not confident about it, you need to move uh, to a point where you can completely analyze and validate that idea. Uh, And then uh, that validation of an idea will help you get a lot of clarity. That clarity will give you confidence and that confidence will give you certainty and you'll get a lot more energy and passion uh, to drive it forward, to really push forward that idea so that you can... Uh, launch a really good business out of it. Otherwise, what most people do is they feel confident and happy about an idea, but they don't have enough certainty in it uh, and to say that this is really going to work, I'm going to give it everything because I know it's going to work because they haven't done the testing and the validation from it. And one of the biggest ways to do that is surveys or interviews. So, you know, set up a survey, five questions, five open-ended questions, and go out there and find the people that you want to target Go share that survey with them and get 50 to 100 responses. Uh, you know, in two weeks' time, we're launching, maybe about the time that this comes out, actually, in a week or so, uh, we're launching um, a, a digital course, a new one, called How to Find Your First Profitable Idea. And a lot of these concepts are things that we've talked about in there because we find that so many people come that don't have ideas or have many ideas and don't have confidence and clarity on their ideas and therefore they get stuck and don't move forward to launch their business. And actually, if you can validate your idea and get yourself to have the n- amount of confidence you and certainty that you need in the idea, uh, then the amount of uh, time it takes you to get to success is a very, very short because you're already coming from a place of, of, of grounded feeling about the idea. Yes. I guess that would be the first thing. The second thing then is to study marketing and study practicing, uh, study, study uh, the journey of uh, a specific user who comes to your business. So figure out what do people really, really want give it to them and then find a way to take them on a journey without you having to be there. What I call the 24-7 marketing machine. So create a, create a system for people to be educated, for them to find you as an authority and for them to you know, go through a process where uh, you are communicating with them without you having to be there. And then uh, what I would say after that, the third thing uh, would be to learn about scaling and team so that you can start to hire somebody that can do some of the things for you so that you have more time to go and do other things or just take time off. Ultimately, I feel we all start businesses uh, so that our businesses can give us a life. Most people, however, that get into business uh, find themselves in a place where their business has taken their life because they've just, instead of approaching a business from the right way, they've gone at it doing everything, being the technician, as you know, Michael Gerber of the E-Myth will say, 
uh, and not freeing themselves up to do the things that they really want to do. So figure out your bucket list and then go, go achieve that bucket list. But you can only do that when you start putting the right scale team and processes in place. It's pretty interesting stuff, man. That's, that's powerful, especially with um, the processes that you gave right at the end. That's just amazing. So, guys, go ahead, take a look at what Cabot said. I mean, it's absolutely, like, rock solid. And, again, we're at the end of the podcast. So, guys, Cabot, thank you so much for being here. I really do appreciate you taking the time today. I know uh, we had a little bit of a hiccup on our first um, appointment. I'm glad that we actually got to reschedule so quickly. Yeah, my pleasure. I think it's great. I've always enjoyed talking to you. I think that you you see things from a great point of view when it comes to copywriting, and uh, I've always benefited from it, so I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Always have fun talking to you too, my friend. Guys, check out insiderinternetsuccess.com, and as always, we're sponsored by them today, and uh, purelyhosting.com forward slash Adderley. You guys can get your domain sorted and your hosting, your hosting domain and your site sorted all at the same time. It's pretty fun stuff like that. As always, we'll catch you on another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Take care.